Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Church Changer podcast. Thank you for joining us. My name is Tim Lucas. I am one of your hosts here at Church Changer. And if it's your first time joining us, I uh, serve as the founding and lead pastor of Liquid Church, scattered all over New Jersey, the great state, the Garden State. We are a multi-site church with seven physical campuses and a very robust church online audience. And this year, we celebrated our 15-year anniversary. We've made tons of mistakes, learned a lot of lessons. We'd love to share them with you. If you're a regular listener, then you're probably wondering, hey, where's Lauren, my co-host Lauren Burkrich? Well, Lauren is enjoying her maternity leave right now. She just gave birth to baby number three. Let's celebrate. Woohoo, Lauren, Our fir- her first uh, daughter, a little girl named Emily. So let's pray for Lauren. She's getting some sleep. But today, we've got a very timely topic for you and a great guest, my uh, friend Danielle Botello. We are headed into the fall recall season, getting our people back to church after a summer run of vacations, you've probably seen some sporadic attendance, and and the key to any robust fall recall season at your church, did you know, it's your small groups. And so today we've got a great topic to help you lead small groups that don't suck. <laughs> I, I, would that would you click through on that, Danielle? Well, yeah, I mean it's a little clickbait. We know that, but it, you know we want you to listen. Hey, I've been in small groups that have sucked. Okay. Yeah, I'm actually hoping no one like types. Yeah, my small group is really not working for me right now. That would be a little bit of a bummer. But no, we we really work our our best to make sure that our leaders are equipped so that yeah, in fact, your small group does not suck when you're here at Liquid Church. We want your group to be life giving, and the concept of small groups it's nothing new. I mean, most churches invite their people to join a small group or a Bible study of eight to twelve adults, right, to kind of open the Bible, apply it to life, pursue spiritual growth together. But all too often, I think these groups are often poorly led. Uh, I've been in groups where, you know, have had kind of extremes. Um, I've seen groups that are like a seminary graduate class, you know, like so intense because sure. they have the overzealous teacher and he's like all into the, you know, digging into the Greek and yeah. Hebrew, but it's not accessible for newcomers. And I've also seen groups that are that too familiar social club vibe, you know, where the people got so close as friends, they just, they stopped challenging each other. They right. like just, you know, ate snacks and socialized and barely cracked the Bible or, or prayed for one another. So small groups can be easy to launch, but they're difficult to do well and maintain. And that's why we have Danielle with us today to show us the ropes. She is our resident expert. Danielle Botello is the group's director. At Liquid Church, she has helped architect a very successful small group strategy that's a cornerstone of our ministry. And so we're going to talk through training your group leaders, which is key to your success. And she's going to teach us about how to get people to actually sign up for groups right. and then more than signups, show ups yes. <laughs> for groups. And we're going to talk about how to host a churchwide groups campaign, which really is the catalyst for small group growth at your church. So let's go ahead and dive in with Danielle. Danielle, I am so excited to have you here today. Yeah, you know, it's really great to be here and just join in on the conversation. I've been listening to you and Lauren. You guys are doing a great job with this. <laughs> Danielle is our groups director at Liquid Church, but just to give a little history. She started as a group leader herself and yep. then took on a role as a volunteer groups coordinator. Was that like over 10 years ago? Yeah, it's been wild. I, I think about it every now and then because the pandemic's really messed with time. But yeah, it's been over 10 years now. <laughs> pandemic made it felt like 20. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> but she has been innovating and creating a healthy small group system at her campus and then our larger church. And she just keeps getting promoted. And now Danielle oversees our entire small group programming system. And here's a fun fact. Danielle, you actually have your PhD from Rutgers University in yes. small groups. Uh, yeah. No, 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 no. Toxicology, toxicology. Toxicology, which yeah. is pretty remarkable. So I'm going to call you Dr. Danielle. All right. Uh, I, I received that. <laughs> it's wonderful being in any meetings or conversations. Danielle is one of those insanely smart people with killer marketplace experience. And we were lucky enough to bring her on staff. So, so glad that you're with us today, Danielle. Yeah, you know, I have been looking forward to this a lot because I've learned so much working in the ministry space, specifically here at Liquid. And that knowledge has not just served me as I've done my group's role, but in the marketplace, at home, even with, you know, my husband and my kids. And, you know, that said, it's been the hardest job I think I've ever undertaken possibly other than being a mother. <laughs> I mean, wait a minute. You've, you've been like the pharma industry, the corporate yeah, marketplace, yeah. toxicology, small groups is the hardest job you've ever oh. had. For sure. You know, we called this out in a staff meeting the other day and Tim kind of put me on the spot. He's like, why? And I was like, oh man, I don't know. Why is it really hard? And, you know, it really boils down to the simple fact that relationships are harder than tasks. And I am just Mm. constantly Mm -hmm. trying to help people know how to be in healthy relationships. And that job 
man, I thought that was hard. And then the pandemic happened. Yeah. It's exponentially harder now. Yes. And it's been humbling. And because no one, no one's written the book on that yet. How do you do ministry in a pandemic? So I've learned a lot. I've been growing a lot. And, you know, um, just really more than anything else, just in a posture of surrender right now with God, just letting him, trusting him with everything. It's beautiful. Well, listen, small groups are our primary discipleship tool at Liquid. It's really where people are known and cared for. It's how you make a big church feel small. It's why we call them small groups. You've probably heard people say, you know, circles are stronger than rows. When people are facing each other, interaction, there's care, there's empathy, there's prayer. That's really where the, the growth takes place. But I want to mention this because it's really, leaders, how you shut the back door of your church. Mm. Uh, In the coaching network, I always teach pastors, there's two ways to grow your church, right? There's evangelism where you bring more people through the front door of your church. So you might, you know, maybe a a certain sermon series or musical style or your worship brings people in or kids ministry. So you can bring more guests through the front door, but equally as important, but often neglected is I tell pastors, you have to close the back door. In other words, a lot of people leave the church, not because of the music or the preaching, but it's because they feel anonymous. They don't feel known or cared for or that they're actually growing beyond, you know, that hour and a half on Sunday. And this is really an issue of discipleship. Uh, You have to lose fewer people through the back door because relationships is what makes people stick. And small groups are key to this. So understand, uh, pastors, especially senior pastors, uh, people may come for strong Bible teaching or good music, but they stick around for deep relationship, thick friendships that can only happen in small groups. So I'm sure, Danielle, people are listening to this. They're familiar with small groups or life groups, or maybe they call them Bible studies. But small groups at Liquid isn't just one more thing on our long list of options for the congregation to get involved. We really invest heavily in our group leaders. So from your seat, I'm kind of curious— why are groups so important to the health of a church and its people? Yeah, I love what you were talking about, right? It's Sunday's just one day of the week, right? Yeah. And people can be inspired, but really they want to be transformed too. And that transformation mm-hmm. is going to happen in relationship. And God has hardwired us for a desire to be in community and yeah. to be known and to grow closer to him through that community. So, you know, I want to be very clear small groups, whatever you call them, it's not a liquid specific thing. It's not a your church specific thing. It's biblical. You know, we do everything rooted in scripture Mm -hmm. and we start off the leadership training conversation by actually reading aloud Acts 2, 46 through 47. Every day they continue to meet in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes, ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily, those who are being saved. And, you know, as we continue training up our leaders, you know, they sometimes come to us saying, hey, am I doing all the right things? Mm -hmm. Is my group on track? And we will, with our partners at the campuses, our group coordinators, measure that against those verses. We'll say, hey, Mm -hmm. are you doing these things that the early church did? And, you know, we're going to doubt ourselves, but actually our roadmap, incredibly clear. And so everything we're doing with our groups is rooted in that early church. And, you know, we're just called all of us to go and make disciples. Mm -hmm. And that's how we do that. We do it out of this Acts 2 um, kind of framework, and our small groups is simply a vehicle for discipleship. That's what it is. People think I'm always like, oh, she's so passionate about small groups. I'm like, yes, but I'm actually (laughs) passionate about discipleship. This is just an intentional way of making sure we do that, and we're not just doing Sunday. Yeah, that's a great framework to cast vision, by the way, for small groups, that Acts 2 passage you just mentioned. You really do see it. It was a very simple model, right? Every day they continue to meet together in the temple courts. Okay, that's the large group gathering. And that's what most pastors like, right? Get everybody together, you know, in the sanctuary. Mm -hmm. But then it says they broke bread in their homes. So they dispersed and they ate together. So we always say you got to serve food for a good small group. Okay, Mm -hmm. that's a big deal. But praising God, enjoying the favor of all the people and the Lord added to their number daily, those who are being saved. I've found that churches sometimes focus on one to the neglect of the other. They're all about the large group sure. gathering on Sunday, but neglect the daily discipleship in the small yeah. groups, and then they don't see evangelism. Or they want to go so deep, but they actually don't have a service where actually newcomers who don't know Christ yet Absolutely. can access it. Yeah. And I think that's one of the hardest things, you know, as we raise up small group leaders, they're like, I want to teach. I want to do yeah. these. And yeah. it's like, wait, no, it's really about relationship first, yes. you know, yes. and you know, we, we try and with everything we do, making sure that we just, we take care of the content for our leaders yeah. and all that. So, and try and clear out spaces where they can just focus on relationship. Yeah. And that's a hard thing for some of our people to do. Some people are very naturally inclined to do it and others that takes a lot of work. Yeah. Now you guys know from our preaching calendar podcast, we're very big about cooperating with the calendar. 
And we have found a best practice we want to share with you. I'm going to ask Danielle to color this in. But for the last seven years, we have committed to hosting two church-wide small groups campaigns every year, one in the spring, right before Easter. A lot of times it co- coincides with the 40 days of Lent. We find that people yes. are dialed in, there's mm-hmm. momentum and growth. And the second is in the fall, in October and November, right after people come back from summer vacation, mm-hmm. they're kind of getting used to the new September rhythms, their kids are back in school. But really, we you talk about, Danielle, a spring semester and a fall semester. Yes. Share with our listeners what those campaigns look like and how they might implement something similar. Sure. So one of the things that I love about this is it gives very clear on and off ramps. People need Mm. to be invited Mm -hmm. in, right? Just because you say we have small groups at our church, if you don't actually make and clear a space to invite people in, they're not going to know how to be involved. They're not going to just raise their hand. Um, If you're a person who's like, I've been in a small group, but this is no longer my season. I need to change it up. But I don't know how to do that, right? I don't know how to tell my leader that I'm (laughs) choosing a different one. We've created a very natural on-off ramp, no guilt, no shame, you know, very easy to invite. And so that's the power of that. I think the other thing about these is we go through a topic all together as a church. So we're all tracking, doing the same thing. It's a shared experience. How many weeks are those campaigns typically? Yeah, so it's anywhere, we've done them anywhere from five to eight weeks. I would say your sweet spot is five to six, um, depending on the calendar. And so, um, you know, our most recent one, we just ended here in the spring season, Wind and Fire. Oh yeah, right. A a whole six weeks devoted to a deep study of the Holy Spirit in the book of Acts. And fun fact about this one, we actually tried to launch this in 2020. We got two weeks in, pandemic hit, and we were like, it's a very experiential small group study where we were going to do a Holy Holy Spirit encounter worship night, all these things. And we're like, the the world has just upended all of our plans. Yes. Pause. Yes. (laughs) And finally, as like we're getting a little closer to endemic stage, we're able to bring it back this spring. And it was so beautiful. Um, You know, I think people were really challenged by it. We have a church of people who they either come from like a a Catholic background or, you know, various other things. They've maybe been in the church, but not really a part of it. And so it's like kind of very diverse. And this was just a fun space, I think, for our leaders to feel very supported because we give a lot of training. We equip them very specifically for that six week stretch to have all the tools and resources they need so they can still build relationship, but they're going pretty deep yeah. as well I, as in content. Something you said there is about the magic of alignment. Mm. Whenever we get pushback from people who say, oh, you know, I, our small groups will never go for that. They want to do their own studies. Yes. I can't get them to all say the same thing for six weeks. Well, then you're giving up alignment. Yeah. Um, as you said, we have a very diverse congregation at Liquid, not just a lot of people um, with Catholicism in their background. We have a lot of people who are maybe came from a conservative, you know, Bible church oh, or sure. charismatic background. Oh, yeah. They're Pentecostal, Assemblies of God. And so it's, we love that. We love diversity. We yeah. got a big tent, but we need alignment around a key doctrine like the Holy Spirit. And yes. what does it mean to encounter the Holy Spirit, to actually mm-hmm. live by the Spirit? How do we practice spiritual gifts? And so for six weeks, when you have the whole church swimming in the same direction, we're all reading the same scripture, yeah. we're all hearing the same sermons, mm-hmm. we're all doing the same questions in our small groups, it really creates momentum. It does. You start to hear the conversations in the lobby. Yeah. And then, yeah. you know, it's also a time where all our pastors are like very focused and tuned in yeah. with yeah. us in the small groups area. And they're on the lookout for stories and life change. And people are kind of coming to them with care concerns that they might not have otherwise raised their hand and told us about. And so, you know, for us, it's just um, a really intentional space and time in the calendar to yeah. make sure that we're really doing everything we say about healthy best practices yeah. to build community. Give me another example of a 40-day groups campaign that's been successful. Sure. So we've done, um, we do it, like I said, in the fall as well. And um, we've done a couple different things. This past fall, we did Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, which was so different because that was yes. more course-like. Yeah. If anyone's ever taken um, EHS with Pete Scazzaro, you know it's more of taking a class. And so yes. we had to completely rewrite a playbook to be like, how do you do that? <laughs> with your small groups. Um, and shout out to Tim because he and the teaching team logged on three uh, different days, three evenings over the course of, yeah. was that eight weeks we yeah. did? Yeah. And they taught and then we did small group discussion. Over with Zoom. It, over Zoom, yeah. Incredible. It was, it was wild, but also it has so, again, because you're sharing this experience, the things that we learned about spiritual disciplines, yeah, about just making room for that time of silence and solitude with God, Observing a Sabbath, yes. we still have our people talking about that yeah. and referencing that. Yeah. And so 
you know, it's a big investment, I think, from mm-hmm. senior leadership, I think from your campus pastors, but it really does pay off. It has a tremendous ripple effect. Yeah. Danielle is part of our preaching calendar, retreats every oh, year. Oh, so fun. I love doing it. Oh, and you're fantastic <laughs> at it. You bring so many good ideas, but particularly we look to you for your expertise to say, let's look at the balanced Bible diet mm-hmm. <laughs> of a liquidite over three years. And, you know, we've done this Old Testament series, but now we want to bounce with a New Testament one. Let's do one where we're getting a lot of questions around that. Or EHS, it's a great example, right? We're pretty committed to the mostly healthy spirituality paradigm and relationships. And that has to be a cooperation with the teaching team. Uh, As a lead pastor, I did not realize the power of me personally being invested in the Mm -hmm. success of the small groups. I think most pastors, a lot of times, they're just thinking about Sunday and what they're preaching on. It's like, oh, it'd be great if you joined a group that's out in the lobby. Yeah. But when you pair them together, that's really where the power is. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, I think one of the things that it helps when I'm in that meeting is we can reference back to those points in the calendar to saying, hey, even though it's no longer a small group experience, here were the stories that came out of it. Here's what we're hearing from our men and women. And I think this year was a really excellent example because we knew coming out of EHS, we were hearing some deep hurts around anxiety with our women. We were hearing how men felt disconnected. That shaped our whole spring lineup. That's right. We did a huge Esther series that pushed to an if gathering for our women big event, which now springboarded into some one-time small groups for summer. And then we did a huge June push for the Man Up series and all our men. It's not just a Sunday series. It's springboarded then into, we're doing a men's work day. We're doing men's small groups. And it's so it all kind of coincides. Sunday bleeds into the weekday and it's strategic year round now, I think. That's the key. Your systems have to interlock. They're not separate or siloed. One is passing the baton to the other. Hey, just a friendly reminder, we will recap our conversation today with Danielle in our leader guide. And we're going to include some links, some extra bonus resources there as well for you. So to get your hands on that, just go to churchchanger.com slash podcast. Now, Danielle, most churches, small groups operate by doing independent studies where the groups can, you know, they can do that here at Liquid in between our 40-day campaign seasons. Yes. But why do you think it's important to come together and align for churchwide campaigns twice a year? Yeah. You know, I would say wherever you're sitting right now, listening into this conversation, think about the natural rhythms in the culture of your region. Mm Mm-hmm. We don't fight against that here in the Northeast. It's so clear to us that there are a couple reset moments. People after the holidays, they're like, oh, what is my new schedule? What am I doing, you know, with my life? And I get into a rhythm by about Mm mid-February. That's when we start onboarding, you know, and getting people into groups for spring, winter, spring season. Then they're kind of like falling away because they want to go down the shore in the summer. So we pause groups for summer. And then after, you know, we get into the September, this is when schools are starting. Right. Vacations have ended. Yeah. Um, it's If you're in the marketplace, right, Q4, you're resetting all your deadlines and goals and you're like, hey, right. what do we do for this last push of the year? Your schedule just upends. Yeah. And so we know people need community during that time, but we need to be intentional about how we schedule it. Yes. And so we're really trying to, I think the benefit of doing this twice a year is we just are following along with the rhythm that's happening around us and we're providing community no matter you know, where someone is in their stage of life. Absolutely. You know, one of the fall series that we did that was very successful, and if you're looking for one, we'll put some links to this. We did a series called SWAT. Oh, that was a good Uh, one. Yeah, Spiritual Warfare and Tactics. And it was really based on Ephesians 5, where Paul kind of goes through, you know, the the spiritual armor, you know, the Mm -hmm. helmet of salvation, breastplate of righteousness, the shield of faith, the sword of the spirit, the belt of truth. And we went, literally, we had a Roman centurion's armor on stage (laughs) and went week by week through each one and how to wield Mm -hmm. each spiritual weapon. It was a a series on spiritual warfare. So what you'll find sometimes are these scripture passages that lend themselves Mm -hmm. to a five, six, or seven-week series because you're literally – but it's a cohesive theme. You're going deeper into scripture. Um, that was one. You also really liked the group, the one that we did based on the uh, the TV show, The Chosen. Oh my goodness, that was probably the most, in some ways, the most challenging one because it was the first small group experience that we tried during the pandemic. Right. You know, we paused wind and fire because we're like, we just need to care for our people. Yeah. Ditch the study. Yeah. Let, let's let's do this. And then we said in fall, how how do we engage people? How do we connect them? We know, based on our our cultural rhythms, there's still this reset point. Yeah. So we're still going to do small group experience. What does it look like? And I know during the preaching um, calendar setup, you know, Tim said this chosen thing. There yeah. seems to be a cultural moment. People yeah. are responding the to crowdsourced this. crowdsourced TV show. People are watching yeah. it online on the app like bonkers. People are coming up to me and saying, have you watched The Chosen? 
And yeah. so we said, wow, could we, since people are watching that, it's a perfect springboard to a longer series on biblical exactly. characters from the Gospels. And one of the cool things, again, we, we're not afraid to fail. We test drove some things. On Friday nights, we actually would watch a clip and things yeah. from The Chosen. Yeah. And then we hosted a virtual group to just say, hey, do you want to hang on for conversation? Because we recognize, you know, shopping around for a small group is a little bit different here in this virtual space, you know, yeah. things like that. And so The Chosen was really fun. It was a little bit different because it was based around that TV series. Um, but we also got to play with what it really meant to be in that virtual space doing a small group experience. Talk more about that. I mean, during the pandemic, our groups made that wholesale shift to meeting virtually. Yes. But today we kind of have a mix now of groups meeting in person and some online. Maybe some are doing a little bit of both, a hybrid approach. How do you see those options as a win for small groups? Oh man, you know, before the pandemic, our winter season and attendance was always so tricky. Mm -hmm. You know, you get one, two snowstorms here in the Northeast. It's like a group hasn't met for like a month and a half. Right, it's right. like the season's gone. <laughs> <laughs> so true. So it was always really hard to build community during those times. Now, the pandemic very quickly, I mean, even before we shut down Sunday services, we knew something was coming. Yeah. And so we started to move our small group leaders into the virtual space. And so we really quickly learned how to connect virtually so that we wouldn't be isolated from one another. Yeah. I mean, and I think that was not limited to liquid. That was the experience of all yeah. of us. Either get connected virtually or you were just on your own. And so now, fast forward to 2022, we're going into the summertime. Our small groups can easily toggle between in-person and virtual. Yeah. It's not yep. one or the other. Um, you know, whether it's snowing or not, you can still meet. Yeah. Uh, for our families, it's a game changer. Yeah. One of the biggest things for our liquid families was childcare. I can't be a part of a small group. Right. Because I've got to get my kids down. How old are your children? So my kids are three and one now, Henry and Jasper. So cool. Amazing. <laughs> yeah. Amazing. Yeah. And it's a great stage of life. But listen, my kids have to go to bed. And, you know, I so by, by seven o'clock, you know, we're getting them down. And what the nice thing now about small group for me is I can pick a virtual one. Yeah. And even over the course of the pandemic, we would be on by 730, eight o'clock for our small group. Yeah. And no harm, no foul. And listen, if Jasper's like giving me a hard time, he's great. But sometimes he can be a bit extra. Like, honestly, <laughs> he can just sit there with me, you know, like I put on right. a movie and it right. doesn't matter. Yeah. And so the flexibility that I'm now afforded and can still find community is just unparalleled. Yeah, yeah. So we're not trying to fight it. We're not like, oh, recall all our groups. They must yeah. all be in person. Yeah. Again, we're kind of looking to see what's happening in the landscape of our region. Yeah. What do our people need? Let's meet them where they're at and get creative with it. That was an eye opener for me. Um, when I saw all those little windows over Zoom when we were doing the, the small groups yes. campaign fall. And I saw so many couples sitting on their couch together. Mm -hmm. They clearly had just cleaned up for dinner, put down their kids, and participation actually went up yeah. because all of a sudden, you know what? I can be in my uh, sweatpants here and uh, your hair in a scrunchie and we can – it's okay. We can go yeah. and do our Zoom. We're not having to get a babysitter, jump in the car. Mm -hmm. We're rushing to get there. Oh, did you bring the snacks? All of that it eliminates so much friction. Yeah. A hundred percent. And I think, you know, again, we're not saying that eliminates in person. I think there's a lot of power in that. But like our family right. groups now, it's maybe once a month or quarterly that it's in person right. versus every week I'm trying to figure yeah. Hybrid, hybrid is powerful. It's very yeah. powerful. Now, a lot of people, sometimes they hear small groups and so they think, oh, all groups directors, you know, they're all relationship oriented and these are soft skills, et cetera. <laughs> what I love about you, this is the Dr. Danielle part, okay, is that okay. you you like metrics. I do. And so I have to ask you, what are your engagement goals for groups and, and also participation? Because it's very different, again, between signups and show ups. Oh, sure. Absolutely. And, you know, for me, it's it's not because I'm just loving spreadsheets, I, I genuinely believe <laughs> each number is a person, right? Like I've Amen. always loved yes. that our executive pastor, Dave Brooks, has instilled that in me from day one. Mm. And I love that about him. Um, you know, for us as a church, we've always said that particularly during our small group experiences, we want at least 80% of the church engaged. Okay. 80% is high. It is high. Now, we were able to, once, you know, Tim invested in, hey, this is how I'm going to address this from the stage. We're going to have this twice a year small group experience. Um, we were able to, within five years, turn that tide where, yeah, yeah, 80% was showing up. Now, the pandemic has changed things. It's like, who is in your church? Yeah, is it just right. Sunday attendance in person, right. on demand, virtual experience, church online? Yep. It's gotten a little harder to gauge what is that number that we should be sure. measuring against. And so this is where it's been really key for us to make sure we're using attendance in our small groups as a discipleship hmm. tool. And I want to break that down for people. So we require all of our small group leaders to keep track of who's in their group. We've got a system online. Yep. 
put your names down and you're responsible as a small group leader tracking, do they actually show up? All right. right. Because then we're talking with our campus leadership um, from a care perspective, who's showing up, who's not, how do we care for those people? And what that then allows us to do from a metric standpoint is say, what does our participation look like? Like regardless of how many people are coming on Sunday, how many people watching online, these people raise their hand. They're all in. They want to be in our church. They want to be in community. How often are they showing up? Mm -hmm. And we say during a small group experience, we're looking to get at least 65%. During the pandemic, that number was well above that, actually, people yeah. were really craving community. And yeah. so early on, that participation number was closer to 70 at some wow. points, which is pretty big yeah. for us here in the Northeast. And, you know, now um, the most recent small group experience, uh, we were tracking right at 65 percent um, with our groups in this more hybrid mode. Yeah. So listen, I think that number tells you something. You shouldn't just look at it and be like, check, I met it. Right. There's There should always be that desire to be like, well, why? Yeah. Why is it 65%? Right. Who are the faces and names behind those numbers at that campus level? How are we caring for them? So it, it shouldn't just be like, fill out my spreadsheet. I've met the goal. Right. It really is a discipleship conversation that you should have once you have those numbers and metrics. One of the keys to creating dynamic and healthy small groups, I think at any church, really rests with the group leaders, right? Oh, absolutely. The, these are the volunteers that I know you and your team are passionate about, invest a lot of time yeah. training, equipping those leaders. So let's talk a little bit about your annual regroup event that sure. you host every August and prepare leaders for the fall. Because I, I think there's some key takeaways here What what where other churches could implement a similar training day. Share the purpose behind regroup and the impact it has. Sure. So I, again, equipping people is essential. Um our small group leaders will care for people I never meet. Tim will never meet That's them. Correct. Like That's if true. they are truly on the front lines of our ministry. And so we know the best investment we can make is making sure that our group leaders are emotionally and spiritually healthy. Amen. And that they feel like, yes, even though these are hard conversations, um, tricky spiritual care concerns, I'm equipped to know what to do in these moments. And so Regroup for us is a vision casting moment and not just for our current leaders. We are constantly trying to grow our pool of leaders. And so we invite to this annual training event any potential leader. Yeah. No commitment. Come get equipped like everybody else who's a current leader, but hear a little bit about what this is. Clear expectations. So it's also an onboarding event. Too. Oh, yeah, okay. absolutely. So it's it's a little bit of all of that. And we encourage our current staff and leaders to invite people that they've been investing in to join us and they can catch the vision, get some key training. It's usually like one or two skills that we really focus all in on. This is what you're going to be focusing in on the season. And then um, we also try and key them up with just a, a little bit of like, hey, what's coming for the upcoming season? Yeah. Falls this big season of onboarding people. Tell me, uh, you know, like what, what was one of the themes recently that was very effective in training group leaders? Yeah. So uh, we did Emotionally Healthy Spirituality last year and so we that was setting up our whole fall season for them and um i think in that you know turn to wonder Mm -hmm. was the big theme of it that we distilled down for regroup 2021 and it was the premise that as leaders when someone says something in our group Mm -hmm. we need to pause and be like i wonder why that person is responding that way Mm. what that person is saying like why am i responding to that yeah. In the way that I am, right? Before you jump in trying to fix, trying yeah. to judge, you know, or these correct, kinds of things. Yes, right? A absolutely. lot of group leaders, when someone lays an egg in the middle of the group, right? Yeah. You're like, wah, wah, wah. Or they're not self-aware. All of a sudden, yeah. they're kind of vomiting all their emotions or they get triggered yeah. by something. And then you're looking around and you see how other people are responding. You're like, oh, no, group's about to go off the rails. Yep. Instead of correcting or criticizing, it's turning to wonder, curiosity. Yes. I wonder what's going on inside of them right now that made Danielle say that. Yeah. And honestly, I mean, listen, everyone's looking at the landscape of politics and everything else happening in the U.S. It was the best thing that we could have done for our people is how to like really do that skill well as we approached EHS. And we were going to start going beneath the iceberg and kind of pulling some things up and really, again, diverse congregations. So we had to equip them for those really tough conversations. Now, at Regroup, you've learned it's not about offering tons of breakout sessions and like every bit of information we can impart in one day Absolutely of training. Absolutely not. No. Uh, you know, I, I think honestly for us, we had originally re, like our Regroup model, we had taken from North Point. We we're like, oh, they do this amazing leadership event every year. Yeah. And there's this big church, thought leaders down in Georgia. And in fact, we realized, no, we don't need to do it exactly like they do. Our people want a short, impactful, like 
here's the vision, here's one to two very practical things I can do that will start the conversation for very intentional equipping all throughout the fall. Mm. You know, and so for us, we decided actually the biggest part of regroup for us is about an hour and 30 minutes of just being with your campus. We call it campus time because we're a multi-site church. And you get, it's less time led by your campus pastor, your group's coordinator, the person intentionally um, investing into our small group leaders at the campus. And they just unpack practicing the skills together that we did in a big vision cast in the morning. And then they get to talk about it. They get to pray over one another. They get to meet other leaders and form a leadership network of encouragement that will hopefully last into the next season. And we also commission new leaders. It's a big celebratory moment for our new guys. Yeah, it's like a commissioning. Yeah. So talk a little bit more about that idea of drip training, like dripping it throughout the year. What structure have you set up to coach and equip group leaders year round? Yeah. So the annual event is great, but when we start, um, let's say we take a new batch of leaders out of that event. It starts what we call the long conversation and we do a new leader training. We have a very well-established leadership pipeline, but then there's things that it's like, hey, I need to grow in this area of even just my prayer life. I need to grow in recalling people back to my small group. We've been like out all summer or out all winter. How do I recall them back, right? And so we do topical podcasts every month that then are a tool that our group's coordinators can use that it's like, hey, leaders listen to this. And then they springboard that into further conversation at their campuses for development. So you have a curated podcast just for small group leaders. Oh, yeah. Continuing the conversation is what we call it because it's just apt for what we do. It's about a conversation for leadership. And so we do that um, at strategic times during the year, uh, as well as we host various events for our leaders beyond regroup. And it's a little smaller scale. Like we recognized during the pandemic, January was a really tough month for people. They're coming out of the holidays, a lot of loneliness, a lot of anxiety they were dealing with. And so we hosted the last two years um, a little bit of a mini retreat, a 60-minute virtual experience. And this year, hmm. it was all about silence and solitude because coming out of EHS, really right, easy to be right, talking right. about that. Uh-huh. And we said we want to recall that for our small group leaders, make sure they're actually taking time to do that. So we created a whole 60-minute experience of a virtual silence and solitude retreat. And then that was like, oh, their tanks are full. I'm yeah. cared for. Yes. That gave the, the group coordinators the leverage that they needed to start kind of recalling their leaders, speak into them, get them trained up for the small group experience happening in March. Yeah. Now I'm guessing there's a leader out there listening right now and she may be thinking to herself, oh snap, (laughs) we don't have any training for our small group leaders. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, we just hand them some discussion questions each week and say, good luck praying for you. (laughs) What is one best next step to begin guiding and training group leaders? Yeah, you know, I have to say, like, please just hear me. The best thing you can do is be in relationship mm-hmm. with your people. I know it can be really intimidating. You you may be listening to different people and they're like, oh, look at my very nice packaged together, like five point plan sure. for how to do this. But the best thing I think you can do out of this podcast is reach out to those leaders. Mm-hmm. You got to learn a little, earn a little relational equity with them before yeah. you can really even speak into their life. So depending on where you're at yeah. <laughs> in your small group ministry, it's not like the time if you're brand new groups director and you're like, I'm just going to go in and start changing everything. No, 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 no. Mm-hmm. Slow down a little. <laughs> go be with your people. Pray with them often. One of the simplest things to do is just put it on your weekly calendar. Little pop-up Google invite. Be like, pray for so-and-so. Right. Text them right then and there. Oh, I love and it. And be like, I'm praying for you. And yes. eventually they'll be like, oh, Thank you. And you, it'll invite them in to share prayer requests. Yes. Be like, please be praying for me this way and make it very reciprocal. And what you're going to start see is a conversation door opener. Yeah. Is they're going to start telling you what's happening in their life, in the life of their small group. Yeah. And that's going to tell you what you need to do for training. Yeah. Maybe it's that they need to more develop their prayer life. Maybe they're ju- their group is getting blown up by the person that just won't stop talking right. <laughs> or, you know, <laughs> right. X, right. Y, and Z, right? And once you know those things, then you can tailor your training in a topical way that will actually meet practical needs within those groups. But you've got to know what's going on first, I think. And you can never go wrong with just what I'm really describing is leading with care. Yes. That's where you want to start. And once you lead with care, you can really earn the relational equity that you need to start speaking into their lives. So you're saying care is greater, a larger priority than content. Oh, a thousand percent. I've been talking to our discipleship pastor, Mike Lee, a lot about this this year, even for us. I know I'm talking about all these tools that we've made, but This is not our season at Liquid in the discipleship group to be creating content. It's about high touch care. We measure everything against that right now. We're still in a phase where our people are 
kind of figuring out, is this still their church home? It's like right. we have a moment where we can still go really deep with a few. It's an incredible opportunity, yeah. and we don't want to miss it. Let's talk about the calendar structure that you've established for small groups because they don't meet year-round. You actually encourage groups to take the summer off. Why is that? And and just for the benefit of our listeners, when's the best time to relaunch groups in the fall? Yeah. So we intentionally pause for summer because even when a small group, they're brand new coming out of spring, they're on fire, they're like, oh, no, we want to. We want to keep going for summer. Yes. The reality is vacations happen. Right. <laughs> you know, right. the weather's nice. I maybe don't want to log on right. today. And we've seen that leaders who try and plug through and meet that desire to keep meeting, yeah. they'll prepare. And then like last minute cancellations, right. no one shows up. And then yeah. all of a sudden it comes September, October. Oh, yeah. These guys are so drained and discouraged. Yeah. They're like, I'm out. I can't do it. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I remember so many times people say like, well, I don't understand, Tim, you know, God doesn't take a vacation in the summer. Why should our yeah. group? <laughs> yeah. And then they push through and we're like, we're going through Leviticus. Yeah. And then, but then it's like two people showed up. Then it was one. Then it was just me and my wife. Yeah. And it's discouraging. It really is. And we need to rest just like anybody else. Rest yeah. is so important. And that rhythm, again, for us, where we're at, summer's a great time to take that rest no i'll be real some of these young adults they're like going all summer they're like this is our season man we're going when we break for like winter break they're like no 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 we've got white elephant parties we've got new year like and it's like that's their season of life right and so we don't hold them back it's not legalistic in any way we just try and encourage a natural healthy rhythm so our leaders don't experience burnout but we do get strategic in recalling them august is regroup get trained up yep September, go ahead, get in your rhythm, yep. you know, get your school schedules, get your business stuff aligned. And then we're launching early October, like usually the latest by first week of October for small group experience. Oh, now this is key. This is, yeah. a, this is a pearl of wisdom, guys, because I think a lot of churches make a mistake. Okay, mm-hmm. it's, you know, Labor Day, everybody's back, oh. get in a small group. We're going to do it kickoff yeah. Sunday and they want to do it in September. Mm-hmm where the reality is people are often overwhelmed with, you know, getting back to school, et cetera. So this is the million dollar question. Here it is, the heart of it. How do you get people to join a small group and stick in it? Because we know there's a lot of hurdles. You're meeting with a bunch of strangers. You're expected to share openly with others. You know, uh, I want to be careful. I don't want to get canceled. All that stuff. It's a time commitment. We're all busy. Give us a proven strategy, a tip or trick for engaging people regarding small groups. Yeah, so for me, I think the biggest game changer that we paired with our small group experience was called Groups Sunday. Groups Sunday. Okay, describe that for us. Yeah, so Groups Sunday is a day where Tim graciously decides to cut his message a little bit shorter. It's a miracle. <laughs> it's a miracle. A little bit, a little bit. And so, you know, we cut the message a little short. You can't go and get your kids yet because programming right. for them yeah. is still going. Yeah. And we actually have in our lobbies an experience where you can, in fact, meet our small group leaders as well as some of their group members. And so Tim dismisses, he gives a call out to our group leaders and says, hey, if you want to get in on the small group experience, mm-hmm. whatever the content might be, sure. right? You know, we're about to tee up Genius of Jesus right. okay. for fall yep. and we're super excited about it. If you want to be in on this experience together, go do it with community. You know, yeah, and sometimes yeah. we call out from the stage a couple key small groups, you know, with great stories and background. Um, but the, the power of that, creating that space for people to shop around is... Not just the accessibility, but the familiarity factor that we built. Right, right. It's no longer who will be on the other side of the screen or who will be opening the door. I know because I've met them, as well as we encourage our small group leaders to invite their members. So it's like, oh, these are my people. Yes, right. I can click with these guys. I will commit for five weeks to do this with you. Yeah. So let me just go over this because Group Sunday has been a game changer for us and particularly for lead pastors or the preachers, those of you who are on the teaching team. Um, This is so vital. I did not get it. First Mm -hmm. off, I would often preach about the importance of community and the importance of groups. Mm -hmm. But what we have found is actually you giving a preview sermon of the series is so strategic and that's what catalyzes people to sign up. So, for instance, when we did EHS, Emotionally Healthy mm-hmm. Spirituality, like, first off, it's like, whoa, this is a seven or eight week series. Long one. But I shared how my life was transformed as the lead pastor being in a group with Pete Scazzaro. I shared how I went through it with my wife, Colleen, how it helped me confront different parts of my shadow side and how I realized I was violating the Sabbath, more doing for Jesus instead of being with Jesus, really sharing proof of concept pretty yeah. openly and transparently and saying, guys, I want that for you. 
Right. And so I'm going to cut the sermon short. <laughs> I typically preach 40, 45 minutes unapologetically, but I'll cut it down to 30, 35 minutes mm-hmm. and say what this last 15 minutes, we're going to dismiss you early, but I want our group leaders to come up here to the stage. Mm-hmm. And that's so cool because all of a sudden – You've got this army of small group leaders, by the way, who are being celebrated. Everybody cheers. Oh, yeah. Everybody, it's a it's a celebrating moment. It's kind of a commissioning moment. I pray over them. The prayer is like huge for our leaders. But they, they feel s- so loved. Yes, but they stand at the stage and they're holding a sign. It says, Nick and Danielle, uh, Wednesday nights, you yeah. know, young <laughs> families with kids, you know, mm-hmm. seven o'clock uh, in Mountainside. Um, it gives people all the information, day of the week, location, time, age, and stage of life. And I just point out some of the examples, mm-hmm. thank our group leaders and say, they're going to go out right now out into the atrium or the lobby or fellowship hall, whatever your thing is. We send them out there yeah. and it's almost like a, you ever see like a science expo? Everybody's kind of got oh, a yeah, table. Totally. Yeah. It's awesome. We send them out there. And what's funny is because we let people out early, they actually don't get their kids. We find they go around, they start talking to small group leaders, yeah. kicking the tires And it changes the dynamic from like you go online, you just see a list of groups, but you don't know who those people are to meeting face to face. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, what you're hearing is the small group leaders are elevated. They feel encouraged. So it's a great way for them to start. They're like tank full. I can do this for this season. They feel the value of it. And I also love because it doesn't silo small groups off. Like we could just say, come to church, go sign up at our amazing website. Yes, Right. But in fact, it, it just takes over the Sunday experience. You see the real bridge between Sunday yep. and community during the week. And every staff member's in on it. You know, our liquid family people, we often have our small group leaders and group coordinators drop in on their huddle just to make sure they can still get connected, even though they're serving like crazy with yes. the kids. And so it just infuses everything that Sunday yeah. in the campus. It's a great moment for our discipleship team. Senior leaders, let me challenge you. Synergy is key. Mm-hmm. Small groups cannot be ancillary to what you do on Sunday. a thousand percent. And I know a lot of pastors are just like, there's a million things I'm already thinking about. And, you know, I'm a fan Mm -hmm. of groups, (laughs) Mm -hmm. but I'm not in a group. (laughs) You know, the most important thing you can do is pepper in stories throughout your preaching throughout the year about the impact that your small group has had on your life. Absolutely. And I mean, anyone who is on your staff team should have a small group story to share. It shouldn't just be, oh, you want to get connected in groups? Let me go help you find a person who can do that. While you're meeting this person, you should be like sharing your own story, right? Everyone should have one of those. And it's through that people that realize, oh, wait, this isn't just a thing that they say to do. It it really is a part of their culture. And, you know, listen, even as intentional as we are here at Liquid, there are moments we have to reset the vision. I literally just got out of a meeting last week. We gathered all our campus pastors, our campus managers who really honestly, are the heartbeat of our campuses. They keep everything running (laughs) and support our campus pastors and our group coordinators, that dedicated person at each campus who just does groups. Yeah. And I said, listen, guys, we're going to talk about what the last half of this year is going to look like. Right. And how groups and our discipleship strategy impacts everything you're doing. Right. And we're going to do it all together. And we talked about building a crescendo that even in this summer, while groups take a pause, there's a moment here where the pressure's off Like when you're a musician, right? Like you have to push a lot of air to build a crescendo, but it's actually more work in the season where it's like, hey, summer, where it's like, oh, the softer part, you're still moving a lot of air. You're still doing a lot of important work. Just the pressure's off because groups aren't meeting. And so I'm like, what does that look like for us? And we gave them like very strategic things to do together. Like how do you build your summer leading into that fall where it's going to crescendo in this beautiful moment of everyone joining (laughs) groups. But don't worry, campus people, that means you'll get more volunteers and other things because it's all working together. And so even us who, I feel like we're really great at systems. Sure. We have to be so intentional about having those conversations. It's all about talking with one another, even on your team, right? You can't yeah. just have a, oh, I paid a groups person. That's Our right. groups will be fine. No, yes. <laughs> you're missing yes. a moment. <laughs> Think synergy, not silos. Yeah. Well, listen, Danielle, we could go on for, for a long time, but we're going to start wrapping up. So I just sure. would love to hear a prediction from you. Where do you see small groups going over, say, the next five years? I mean, are there changes you foresee <sighs> us navigating this new hybrid yeah. church world? Yeah, for me, I genuinely believe uh, we're just going to continue to move more freely between in-person and virtual. And I predict that just every group that we will launch in the next five years will have some virtual element. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think that's just the world that we live in. And that's a good thing. Yeah. In a lot of ways. More accessible. And, you know, even though we were able to stay pretty connected in a virtual space as a church. I think what we were reminded of in the pandemic was just the importance of finding our people. Mm, Tell me about that. 
people need community. Yeah. You know, and we're driven really by a deeper need to have a relationship with God. And, you know, I'll, I'll just um, kind of share a personal experience. We hosted uh, the IF Gathering back in May mm-hmm. here at our church, and it was largely led by our female small group leaders. And so we watched Jenny Allen's message, and she has this great book study out right now called Find Your People. And she called it out in her main session by asking us, who are the five people that most changed your life? Are they famous? Probably not. (laughs) That's true. It's probably the people who discipled you, which was pretty convicting for my entire team. And essentially, we're saying it's not from stages. Sunday's important, but it's not from stages, but across tables in community with our people that we experience life change. So true. And so I want to just acknowledge right now, cancel culture is so real. Yeah. Our people are afraid if we're really known then someone's going to leave the room. They're like, mm-hmm. I don't want to be a part of this. Yeah, it's a risk. And honestly, that might happen. Mm-hmm. And it has happened to some of us in the last years, um, most recently. But even though that's real, we still need community. And if we double down on persevering through what has been an epic season of ministry, the people will come. They genuinely want to be a part of a small group of their people. And so I loved what Jenny offered up. She took like a study of like villages around the world. And she said throughout history, the villages had proximity, vulnerability, transparency, accountability, like tribal elders, a shared purpose, consistency, which is kind of the hardest Mm. one right now. Like don't quit your people, be consistent. And the cool thing about the virtual space is that even if another pandemic comes our way, we can maintain that proximity through pixels (laughs) <laughs> so like, true. We we can do that. We are prepared for that. A busy season comes. No worry. I can log on via Zoom and still be consistent with my people. Um, virtual in person, one not better than the other. It's just going to simply enhance what we're doing to stay connected. So I predict that if you do these five things, you know, offer small groups in proximity to your people, be flexible in person and virtual, create small groups that act with vulnerability, small groups that provide accountability, a shared purpose, and are consistent, then we're just going to see life change. Um, that I don't know I could even envision today and articulate well. As part of our podcast each month, we want to spotlight some churches making waves and doing phenomenal work. It's not just about giving them a shout out, but also pointing you in the right direction. So for anyone working in ministry, great habit to form is taking the time to explore the groundbreaking work of other churches. So today, I want to get your take on this, Dr. Danielle. (laughs) Share share with us a church who leads an incredible small groups ministry. Tell us what we can learn from them. Yeah, my my main thing that I look for when I'm looking for churches who make waves are people who are killing it, equipping their leaders. Okay. That's the The bar for me, what I'm really looking for at this point. It's critical for healthy discipleship and church growth. And so I've definitely looked to some pretty usual suspects, one being um, Saddleback Church out of California. Um, you know, for me, what I have loved is um, Saddleback's uh, global small groups pastor, Steve Gladden, had founded Small Group Network, SGN. Mm-hmm. Some of you are probably familiar with this. It's an international community that connects, equips, and inspires, you know, your small group point people. And right now I'm pretty active um, on their uh, small group network forum on Facebook. It's this great virtual community. Um, James Browning, the pastor of network development at Saddleback Church is active in there. He's always posting questions, resources, and you can share globally with people and just get ideas real time. Like I had a question about, gosh, how do you do? A small group experience, like get people signed up during the pandemic. We had no idea what we were doing. I put a question <laughs> in the forum on Facebook and we just all wrestled through it together, these Love leaders it. from across the globe. And I believe collaboration and a hunger to learn are key to keeping my leadership skills fresh. And it's a better way for me to serve the people that I'm leading. So my recommendation um, is to learn from other churches. Join the small group network online. You know, yeah. we'll include a link to like where you find that forum on Facebook, but also team up with a regional huddle. It's not just about finding churches who are killing it right now, but sh- and like check out their webpage, copy and paste things. It's about joining a conversation yeah. to continue yeah. to develop yourself in your own ministry efforts. And so we've been involved actually with the North New Jersey SGN huddle. Okay. Um, for us, that's allowed us to stay connected to chur- churches here um, in North Jersey, learning from and encouraging one another. During the pandemic, in fact, I was encouraged by my counterpart uh, counterpart at Hoboken Grace, Sarah. Oh, great church. Uh, You know, we would meet up occasionally and just discuss what was working. We're not the same exactly, you know, our church models, right? We're different, but 
but we were experiencing this crazy season of how do we continue to keep our people who are in groups connected? How do we get new people into groups? And we just didn't really have a roadmap. So we would often discuss what's working, what's not. Uh, they do a great job of equipping their people. They do great monthly little huddles themselves at Hoboken Grace. So that always kind of inspired me. I'm like, what can we do to like take a piece of that and transplant it at Liquid Church? You know, And part of how they uh, did some training around Sabbath inspired us to create a January rhythm. Awesome. Around doing spiritual disciplines. And so you know, there was just a lot of things that we learned from each other. We, we traded content on support groups Phenomenal. as well. It was a really great moment for us. And it all came out of... SGN. So for me, I would just say it's about relationships. It's a time investment to be involved with other churches, to learn from one another, but it's really one of the best investments you can make to grow your small group ministry and essentially maximize your discipleship efforts. Like it's just going to have a bigger impact when you make that investment. Well, we always like to end with something fun or something free. And you've got some free stuff here, Danielle. (laughs) We always want to end on a high note. So we're going to give away some small group resources that are field tested. Tell us about it. Yeah. So we have a group guide template and example for you. We have done so many different things with group guides, but we're going to give you our current model that we think we've kind of cracked it a little bit, a very simplified, streamlined version and example for you. Um, We're going to be giving away our virtual silence and solitude retreat for leaders. If you're like, hey, I want to do that 60 minute experience, you know, maybe not wait till January. Right now, my my leaders need to just get their tank filled. Great. Take our roadmap, you know, do it. Um, We have an article on modeling apprenticeship. um, And we also have a link to um, all of our group guides. So if you're like, awesome. you want to see where we've been to where we are now, and maybe one of our other, you know, older templates is the one for you, go ahead, like use them, please. <laughs> a reminder, just check out our leader guide for this episode. It has a summary of everything we talked about along with those links, bonus resources, plus some discussion questions for you and your team. It's totally worth a download. So to see everything we're doing, just follow us on Instagram. Our handle is at Church Changers. That's plural, Church Changers. Plus, uh, Danielle, I would love it if you follow Church Changer on Apple Podcasts or wherever it is that you're listening. If you enjoyed today's show, just leave us a rating or review to help us get the word out. We'd be so appreciative. Thank you again, Danielle, for joining us today. Oh, this was a blast. Thanks for having me. Hey, guys, remember this fall. Don't just open the front door to more guests. Close your back door too so they stay. The stickiness is in relationship. We are rooting for you and we can't wait to chat next time at Church Changer. Uh